So glad that you are here. Well, this morning we're continuing our Vision 2020 sermon series. And over the past several weeks, this is what we've looked at so far. We've looked at the greater church. We've looked at the mission of the church. We've looked at what we value as a church. And so say with me this morning um, our, our, our vision statement together. And it is this up here. We exist. To glorify God by becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what our vision is as a church. And then last week we began walking through what we value as a church. Last week we looked at the Word and we looked at fellowship. Specifically we looked at three different points that we received the Word that we are to be devoted to the Word. And then we also looked about at how um, we are united by the word. And that's the fellowship component of this. And now this morning, we're going to look at our third core value, which is prayer. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 41 through 47 together. And then we're also going to spend a little bit of time looking at 2 Chronicles 6 and 7 together as well. So if you want to kind of book in that part, those two passages of scripture this morning, you can certainly do that. But Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, um, this is where we get our core values. And this is what the word of the Lord says. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Our message point this morning is this. The early church was a praying church. And that first church was devoted to prayer. First church did not just give lip service to prayer. They did not just talk about prayer, but they actually prayed. You know, think about the, the, the beginning of that first church, okay? Um, all of us are pretty familiar with the first church. We know kind of the dynamics behind Pentecost, what led up to Pentecost. But right after Jesus ascended to take his rightful place next to the Father, we read these words in Acts chapter 1. We read, there were 120 early believers, okay? And this is what those early believers did after Jesus ascended to take his rightful place next to the Father. In Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. So very early on, I mean, right when this church was in the, it, it was getting ready to get started. As they waited on the Holy Spirit to come, this group of people prayed. After the 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost, what do we find that early church doing in Acts chapter 2, verse 42? They devoted themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple, and they're going to go 
and pray. And as they're entering into the temple, some of the, the people um, noticed them and they wanted to hear more about the Lord. And so um, Peter and John began to share the good news of salvation with them. As a result, they got arrested. And we read in Acts chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, after they were released, we read these words. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priest and the elders had to say to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So these people are rejoicing that they had just been arrested. They are rejoicing that they've been set free. We read in Acts chapter 12, um, the angel of the Lord appears to Peter one time when he's in prison. And the angel of the Lord busted him out of prison. Okay, And these are the words that we read in Acts 12, 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And then during the commissioning service for Paul and Barnabas in Antioch, we read these words in Acts chapter 13. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Following Paul addressing the elders of the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, we read, And when he had said these things, he knelt down, prayed with them all. If the first church saw the importance of prayer, don't you think you and I also should likewise see the importance of prayer? I love what David Platt says about prayer, but he says this about um, the early church and prayer. He said, prayer was a source of life in the early church. It was the air they breathed in day in and day out. It was the driving force of what they did. May, may it be the driving force of what we do as well. May we be found to be men, women, and students that pray regularly. May it be like the air we breathe, that we're constantly and continually in prayer together. Why, why was that our early church, um, especially before Pentecost, why were they so hungry for the Lord? Why did they go and petition the Lord? Because they were waiting on the promise of the Holy Spirit, weren't they? In the Old Testament, there is a correlation between waiting and praying. And when I think about those early believers and their prayer lives, and as I think about them praying for the comfort and the Holy Spirit to come, I can just envision that there was a hunger inside of them, an aching that was in the, the pit of their stomachs or or an aching that was at their very core where they longed for the Lord to return. This kind of aching um, we experience when we lose a loved one. We experience that kind of aching where we just want them to be back here with us. Or we want to be with them. That's kind of that kind of aching. Or there may be that aching that is associated when, when um, a family member is away on business or a, a, a child or a family member is deployed on mission. Or that kind of aching when our, our children are off at college. I haven't experienced that yet. But I know that, that it's coming real, real soon that, that um, my, my son is going to be going off to college. And there's going to be an aching in the pit of my stomach whenever he's away often. And I think that that's the kind of experience these early believers experienced. But here's the deal. That aching wasn't going to be there long because the Holy Spirit would come with power on the day of Pentecost. 
These early believers were 1 Thessalonians 5.17 prayer warriors, weren't they? They prayed without ceasing. They were Jeremiah 33.3 prayer warriors. What we read in, in Jeremiah 33.3, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you do not know. You know, in this church, I know that we have some prayer warriors. You know, I, 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 I hear about um, your prayer lives because you share with me often. And this is what the Lord has been doing in my life, or I've been praying for this, or I've been praying for that. Every Wednesday morning, um, I have the opportunity to gather with um, some, some men and women within this church, and we pray together. And, and during that time, you know, some of our prayer times get pretty, pretty, um, pretty intense because we're praying for one another, we're praying for family members, we're praying for the sick, we're praying for the lost, and we're just praying some big, audacious prayers often. And the thing that I love is, is that not only do we pray together, but often we also hear the Lord um, answer those prayers that we are praying. And I'm going to ask this morning my friend Barbara to come up here. And, and Barbara is one of the ladies that comes to our, our Wednesday morning prayer time. And, and Barbara um, and, and I have been doing life now together for a while. And, and I love all of y'all, but she's one of my favorites. I just want you to know that. And she, she told me to say that this morning. But, um, but this morning, um, I've invited Barbara to come up here because there was a, a, a time um, a few months ago that, that Barbara was praying some pretty big, audacious prayers. There was also some time um, in, in, in that time where she was um, really, really struggling and really crying out. And, and so we walked with her through that. And we also celebrated what the Lord was doing in her life. And so this morning, um, I've asked her to come, and she's going to share a little bit of a testimony with us about one of her prayer experiences that she had um, just a couple of months ago, and even um, going to share a little bit of what the Lord's doing in, in her life right now. So Barbara, here is your microphone. Thank you. Okay, early this summer, a friend, a really dear friend, put the book The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson in my hands. I really didn't want to read it. I just am a people pleaser. So I said, okay, I took it. <laughs> well, you, you are the exception. <laughs> so I took it, and I really put it off for a while reading it. I just, I'm, right now I'm kind of in the, I just want to read a light, fluffy book. And uh, so I thought, okay, I've got to give this back to her. So I don't want to give it back saying I didn't read it. So I sat down and started reading it. And the more and more I got into it, it is about prayer. And it's about people who learn to pray circles around things that concern them. Uh, this was a pastor uh, in Washington, D.C. He was wanting to buy this plot of land, and, or it was millions of dollars. This happened to him over and over again. And he would walk around the property praying for God to give his church this land or make it affordable. And over and over and over again, he got victory in that. Miracles happened. And, and there are instances throughout the book about people just praying for loved ones or neighbors or just anything that concerns them, 
they circle, they, they might even circle a house or they'll have a journal and they'll put the name of the person down, they circle it and they become circle makers. So I finished the book and, and right after that I went to Boulder where my son and his family live and when I read this book it just got more and more in me and I valued what these words said and I wanted to become a circle maker but this was new this was really new I mean I pray but this is different this is more deliberate prayer and so I felt the Lord was really telling me I want you to circle their house seven times they live on a mountain it's not like a little flat piece of land we have here. It's a mountain, and it's uneven, and takes a while. So anyway, I woke up one morning, and I felt such such a need. And the Lord just, you know, the hound of heaven, he won't leave you alone. and or That's my case anyway, until I obey. And so I, I was giving him every excuse in the world. And I knew it just wasn't going to work. And so I said, okay, Lord, let's do this. So I jotted the time down on this notepad to see how long it's going to take. So I get started. It, it was so new for me to be in this intimate setting and doing what he was asking me to do. To circle the house, go around seven times and pray. And so I started doing it, and I started singing the song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms. We'll all pass away, but there's something about that name. And I just walked around and just started confessing, confessing my sins. Instead of praying for my family, I just, I just had to get the sin out first. And so that was the first time around. And and then when the second time I thought I better I better make some kind of little notation on the ground to know I don't want to get mixed up. How many have I done? And so I found little sticks and I put when I got started each time I would put the stick down. So uh, I put two down. So we started. You know I started around again, and it just became so precious, so overwhelmingly powerful. And I just grew more and more confident that what I was doing had eternal value. This was time so well spent with the Lord. And I was obeying him. And so um, about the third time around, uh, they have all kinds of wildlife. And so there was this beautiful deer just within reach. And... Uh, he started to walk away, and then he just kind of turned to me, and we just 
we both stopped and just looked at each other, and it was just, it was just special. It's hard to explain that moment with this deer. I just feel like the Lord put him there uh, to just see the beauty of, just an example of the Lord's beauty. So anyway, uh, I, I just started touching everything. I put my hands on everything, the fence, the playhouse, treehouse, cars, trees, leaves, doorposts, window panes, the brick and mortar, everything I could touch. And um, it was just so beautiful, such a beautiful experience. And toward the end, I... I looked down on the ground, and my son, this, if you can, it's a bronze-shaped tulip, and instead of a drain pipe coming down his house, this is a rain chain, and there were several on the ground, so I just stopped and picked it up, and I just held it as I continued my walking around their house, and I was just praying everything I wanted in my heart for them to be as believers, just everything I could think of, just making the most of it. And on my seventh time around, this became my trumpet. And so I just started speaking through it as I walked around. And I left there really believing that the walls around their hearts will someday come down. That's what I prayed, and I was empowered to pray that. And so I, I believe that will happen someday. I see no signs of it yet, but pray believing, and that's what I do. Um, so when I got home, I started a prayer journal, and this is my Circle Maker prayer book. And I, I put down anything that concerns me. I have a page for the church, and my goal is to walk around the church soon. Uh, and I am walking around my daughter, my daughter and her husband's house on Tuesday, and uh, my daughter's mother-in-law is walking with me because she's got an investment in this too, her son. So I gave her the book. I have given two two dozen books away. This is this has changed my life. And I just it's it's now a little ministry of mine to give the book away. So I have ten in my car. If any of you want to get the book, it's yours. Uh I will gladly give it to you and uh Maybe it will touch your heart. I I have no idea what the God, what the Lord is going to use in each of our lives. We're not cookie cutters. This changed my life, and I had no idea. You know, we don't know when we start into something what it's going to do, but the Lord does. And so uh, I've given two dozen away, and I would love to give give more away. Please don't hesitate if you want the book. But uh, I do pray that it will mean something to you of course but my this is I do this every morning I'm so faithful to do it and I can't say that in other experiences of praying you know I get onto something and you know it comes and goes this I wanted to last in me I wanted it to be real I wanted it to take 
and and it I I really believe in my heart that it has. This has become a real treasure to me, and I'm starting to even check off some things I've been praying for 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 individuals, and I'm very thankful for that. So, thank you for letting me share. Well, thank you, Barbara. Well, I wanted Barbara to share her story. Um, you know, I didn't want her, to, you know, um, this to be a time where she was advertising a book by no means. Um, but what, what she has experienced is that the Lord has used, um, you know, God's Word and used this book to help her as she begins to, to um, become a regular practicer Christian uh, uh, of the, the discipline of prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Prayer changes circumstances. Prayer changes us. And, and as we pray, and the more that we pray, the more we're going to have um, a, a relationship with the Lord like we've never had before. Once again, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 calls us to pray without ceasing, to pray without stopping, to pray regularly. That is what we are called to do. It should be something that we, that we are just constantly in, in communing with the Father, where our spirit is in um, communion with the Father 24-7 a day. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. And so my challenge for all of us in this room this morning is to begin the practice of praying on a regular basis. And we looked at this a few weeks ago, but there is no limit to when you can pray, okay? You don't have to just pray in the morning. You don't have to just pray in the evening. You, you can pray as you drive to work. You can pray as you walk the hallways of your work. You can pray when you're alone, or you can pray when you're with other people. You can be having a conversation with somebody. And as they're sharing with you, you can begin praying for them right then and there. You can do that internally and pray for them, but you also can just say, hey, can I pray with you? Is there something I can pray with you specifically about, especially whenever someone reveals a hurt or a need or a pain that they're going through? You know, pray for people, pray for your family, pray for um, your church, pray for those that the Lord brings into your life. Our next point this morning is this, the Bible is full of praying leaders. The Bible is full of praying leaders, and one of those leaders was King Solomon. We read of, 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 of this in Second Chronicles chapter 6. So notice in Second Chronicles chapter 6, beginning in verse 18, what we get is we get a prayer of dedication from Solomon. And, and it's, a, it's a prayer of dedication for the temple. But we read in Second Chronicles, beginning in um, verse 18, chapter 6, but will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built 
You have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers towards this place and listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place and listen from heaven your dwelling place And when you hear, forgive. Throughout this prayer, Solomon is praying on behalf of the people of God. He prays for the nation of Israel. He knows their past and he was certain of their future if they took their eyes off of God. And so he prays for them. When they sin, Solomon asks the Lord to forgive them in advance for their sin. Faith family, do you know what God is looking for? He is looking for men, women, students, and children that are going to pray on behalf of our nation. He is looking for men, women, students, and children that are going to pray on behalf of this world. He's looking for men, women, students, and children just like Solomon to pray that the Lord will remember his people and forgive our sins. You know what we need as a faith family? You know what we need as a nation and as a world? We need a revival, don't we? Man, we need a renewal. You know what the word revival means? It means to live again. Stephen Olford said, revival is an invasion from heaven that brings a conscious awareness of God. Vance Habner said that revival is the church falling in love with Jesus all over again. We need heaven to invade earth, don't we? And you know what? Heaven has invaded earth. You know in what way heaven has invaded us. And when heaven invaded us through the person of of the Holy Spirit, you and I have been commissioned and sent out into this world to be agents of change. So Paul Our our Solomon prays a prayer of dedication, and then the Lord will answer this prayer. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, we read, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Can you imagine what the people of Israel witnessed with their very eyes? They saw the glory of the Lord on full display. And what did they do? They hit the ground and they began to pray. And they began to worship. They began to ascribe great worth to the God of the universe. When was the last time that you and I fell on our face before the Lord to ascribe great worth to him? You know, most of the time when we hit the ground, it's not because we're ascribing great worth to the Lord. It's because we're hitting the ground because of some, some moment of desperation that has, has come to our life. And, and oftentimes we're hitting the ground um, and, and it's because we're, 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 we're laying a petition at the feet of the Lord, which is very biblical we need to do. But we also need to hit the ground and ascribe great worth to the God of the universe for saving us, for setting us free, for giving us the gift of eternal life. Continue reading. We're going to drop some, um, down some scriptures. And as we drop down to verse 11, there's actually a 13-year um, gap in time here. But in verses 11 and 12, we read, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house, and that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord, and in his own house, he successfully accomplished 
Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. You know, here's the deal. I wish that, that God moved at the speed of us, right? And I think all of us in this room wish that, don't we? We wish that when we laid our petition down at the feet of Jesus, that immediately he would answer it. That isn't the case, though. Sometimes we have to wait upon the Lord for his timing. And that's what Solomon had to do. He had to wait upon the Lord. Sometimes you and I have to wait. Does that mean that we, that we just pray once? No, it means that we must persistently pray before the Lord. Solomon, I believe with all of my heart that he prayed consistently and persistently for the people of Israel. We need to pray for one another in this faith family. We need to pray for our families. We need to pray for those that we do life with. We need to pray without ceasing is what we need to do. You remember Paul's prayer for the Ephesians? We looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but he prayed for their strength. He prayed for their power. He prayed for the Holy Spirit's indwelling upon their lives. He prayed for deep roots within their lives. He prayed for love. He prayed for comprehension. And he prayed for the fullness of God within their lives. That's how we should pray also. That's how I've been praying for you. I've been praying for God's strength. I've been praying for the Holy Spirit's indwelling. I've been praying for power for all of us in this room. And I've been praying for deep roots that we would continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I've also been praying that we will become people of prayer. Notice next, a prayer condition. God answers Solomon's prayer, but the answer has conditions. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, we read, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among my people. Notice verse 14, verse that all of us are very, very familiar with. I preached from this verse before, but, but this is what God's Word says. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. The Lord makes it abundantly clear that he will answer our prayers. But those answers are conditioned upon our hearts, conditioned upon our lives, conditioned upon our requests. Let's look at God's answers. He says here, if my people who are called by my name... First, notice who will not bring about revival across our land, okay? Our government is not going to bring about revival across our land, is it? The White House is not the answer to our broken, messed up world, is it? Our schools are not going to bring about revival within the lives and the hearts of our children. We can't count on our teachers within our public schools or private schools or any other kind of school to, to instill God's word solely into the lives of our people. You know why? Because that's not their job. You know whose job it is? It's our job to invest in our children, to disciple our children, and to walk with our children. So we see here, if my people who are called by my name, notice next, if they would humble themselves and pray. There's two ingredients always that accompany revival, prayer and humility. Gypsy Smith was a 19th century revivalist who did something unusual when he came to a new town. He'd stop on the outskirts and draw a circle in the dirt, 
then he would stand inside that circle and say, oh God, please send a revival to this town and let it begin inside this circle. He's not the only person that would draw circles and say, Lord, begin revival here. But he's one of them. That's where revival begins. It begins with us. If we want revival to come to this church and come to this land, then it's got to start within the hearts of the believers. We need to draw a circle, step inside that circle, and say, Lord, begin revival here. And then from there, we can go and we can draw some circles around other things and say, Lord, begin revival there. Lord, break people's hearts there. Lord, save people that reside within that home or within that business or within that school or within that church or within that neighborhood. And then we see here, if they would seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, if we want to experience revival, then it will only begin when we we repent of our sins. When we cry out and repent, notice what happens. We have this promise. Solomon penned, I will hear from heaven. When we cry out, we have this promise that God will hear us. When we cry out, the Lord will forgive our sins. And when we cry out, the Lord will heal our land. I don't know what healing within our land looks like today. Here's what I know. I know that this this passage of Scripture is not a, a, a Scripture just for America. I know that this passage of Scripture that, that is a, 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 a passage that the church in general needs to pray. He will heal our land. Vance Havner stated, The reason America does not have revival is because while the situation is desperate, the saints are not. Man, we're so consumed with the things of this world ourselves that until we become consumed with the things of God and what God wants on behalf of our land and our churches and our people, we're going to continue to see the moral decline of, of our society. It's time for us to get desperate on behalf of our broken homes, our broken nation, and our broken world. Tony Evans um, said this. He said, the reason we have messed up a messed up universe is because we have messed up, we have a messed up world made up of messed up nations, made up of messed up states, made up of messed up cities, made up of messed up neighborhoods, made up of messed up churches, made up of messed up families, made up of messed up people. If we want to experience revival, then, then, then we have to be a people that are willing to get serious about the healing that needs to come to our lives as well as the lives within our churches. Finally, this morning, my prayer for this fellowship is that we will become a praying church, that we will become a praying church. First of all, there needs to be private prayer. What did Jesus do? Jesus often got alone by himself and he prayed. You know, Barbara, she gets alone and she prays every morning over the request that the Lord has laid upon her heart. And I know many of you do that as well. We need to do that. Private prayer needs to be a part of our praying. Family prayer should be evident as well. You know, I've shared this with you before, but every single night before we go to bed, we pray as a family, and then Danny and I pray as individuals. We started this, Danny and I, before we got married. And we started praying over our children before they could ever say their first word. And when they got of age of being able to pray, then they began and joined us in prayer. This is something we started 18 years ago as a, as, as a, a core family. And then it's something that Danny and I started, you know, over 23 years 
go. We need to pray as a family. You need to pray with your family, for your family, and as a family, because there is power in prayer. There is strengthening that occurs in prayer as well. We need to pray for the Lord to be present within our home, within our marriages, and within our parenting as well. And then we need to to experience intercession prayer as well. We need to pray for other people. God invites us to do that. In Matthew 5, 44, we read, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, First of all, then I urge that supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. In Ephesians six eighteen, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We need to pray for one another. That's a biblical thing that we need to do. We need to pray for each other. If you're a leader in this church, you need to be praying for those that you have influence over. If, if you're not a leader within this church, then you need to pray for your leaders, and you need to pray for one another as well. And then we also need to pray in public together. That first church, they prayed regularly. They prayed in private, and they prayed in public. We need to pray publicly together, and we need to pray privately as individuals. We need to pray for one another. And I want you to know there is power in prayer, okay? You, you may say, well, I pray every day, and the Lord hasn't answered a single one of my prayers. Well, let me ask you this. Are you praying um, selfishly? Are you praying, um, are you praying in accordance with God's word and God's will? Are you praying um, once and then stopping? Or is this something that you're doing on a regular basis? For Solomon, it took 13 years before his prayer was answered. You know, there's other people in the Bible that it took longer than that. And then there's some that prayed and immediately their prayers were answered. And that happens in our lives too. Sometimes our prayers are answered immediately. Sometimes the Lord says, wait. Sometimes the Lord says, no. Sometimes the Lord answers our prayers well. During World War II, Betsy Timboom died in a Nazi prison camp. She and her sister, Corey, had been sent there because they had been caught hiding Jews in their Dutch home. Years after the war, Corey wrote about an answer to prayer regarding a seemingly insignificant item. Betsy's specific prayer and mustard seed faith is still an inspiration in her own words. She says, I will tell you something that happened when I was a prisoner in a concentration camp with my sister, Betsy. One morning, I had a terrible cold, and I said to Betsy, what can I do? I have no handkerchief. Pray, she said. I smiled, but she prayed. Father, Corey has a, got a cold, and she has no handkerchief. Will you give her one in Jesus' name? Amen. I could not help laughing, but as she said, amen, I heard my name called. I went to the window, and there stood my friend who worked in the prison hospital. Quickly, quickly, take this little package. It is a little present for you. I opened the package, and inside was a handkerchief. Why in the world did you bring me this? Did I ask you for it? Did you know that I have a cold? No, but I was folding handkerchiefs in the hospital, and a voice in my heart said, Take one to Corey Tinvin. What a miracle. Can you understand what that handkerchief told me at that moment? It told me that in heaven, there is a loving father who hears when one of his children on this very small planet asks for an impossible little thing, a handkerchief. 
And the Heavenly Father tells one of his other children to take one to Corey Timbin. God answers prayers, and God's promises are greater, are a greater reality than our problems. God does answer prayers. It may not be the way we want it or in our timing, but God does answer prayers. Let me invite all of us in this room to be men and women that devote ourselves to praying. You, you may say, well, I don't pray on a regular basis. Start. Start this week. Take five minutes out of your day to get alone with the Lord and just pray. Okay, you may say, well, I already pray five minutes. Okay, then pray 10 minutes. Well, I already pray 10 minutes. Pray 15 minutes. Begin the process of devoting yourself in prayer. Create a prayer journal. Ask the, ask the Lord um, how it is that he would have you to pray. And write down what he places upon your heart. Find scriptures and pray specific scriptures and promises within God's word as well. But devote yourself to pray. Pray specifically for whatever it is the Lord has laid upon your heart or whatever it is that you see within this world or within your life that needs God's attention. Pray persistently. Not guaranteed that your prayer is going to be answered on day one or day um, 141. But pray until the Lord answers your prayer. And pray with humility. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. As we close this morning, let's make prayer a regular part of what we do as individuals and as a faith family. Let's be people of prayer. Okay, You may be here this morning and, and um, you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You've never communed with God before outside of, of, of maybe one of those um, Hail Mary moments where you're like, God, help me get out of this situation that I've gotten myself in. That may be the extent of the kind of prayers that you've prayed before because you don't have a relationship with the Lord. You don't know how to pray. I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, call out to him. The Bible says if we repent of our sins and cry out to him to be Lord and Savior of our life, that he will save us. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to do that. You may be here this morning and, and, and the Lord has been impressing upon your heart someone specifically to pray for. Maybe it's somebody in this room that you need to, during this time of invitation, just go over to, lay your hand on them and just say, hey, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? I don't know what decision you need to make this morning, but let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And when I say amen, if there's a decision you need to make, you come. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony that we've heard this morning from Barbara. Father, thank you for just making her into a woman of prayer. Father, I know that you have called all of us to be men and women in prayer. And may we all begin that discipline ourselves. Father, there may be someone here this morning that is yet to enter into a relationship with you. If they were to die today, they don't know where they'd spend eternity. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you'll draw them unto salvation. Father, may they be brought to the point of repentance where they confess their sins before you, confess those things that they've done in their lives that have been wrong, that haven't honored you. May they repent of those this morning. Father, and then may they cry out to you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Father, move now during this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.